When beginning the gradual yet inevitable descent into madness, as all humans do, which emotion retires first from the body? Compassion or empathy? The purpose for weighing these concerns is I fear I am at the fringe of hysteria's gate, being beckoned into its dark chambers, never to be free. At some stage in existence, something within me must have been good. Something must have been honest, considerate, maybe even faithful. At one point, few people may have even loved me, though that's impossible to fathom now. No, not anymore. Everybody is gone, and in a sense, so have I departed this life. Have I ever been here? Was that part of my story just a marvelous dream that could play repeatedly in my mind's eye? Those moments of bliss, pleasure, passion, and pain, were they just concoctions designed to control my thoughts and feelings and keep my actions at bay? Truth is, it doesn't even matter. I am no longer he, and he is no longer me. Not after what I have witnessed or the thoughts I have conjured. Especially not after the things I did. The Little Town of Rainbow Written by Vincent John and performed by Luke Welland, Natalie Lewis and Cornelius Perry Jr. Chapter 1. Things unseen are best not believed. 1882. Nevada Territory. Mojave Desert. Christmas Eve. Desert winds during summer months were as violent as they were ugly. Swirls made of dirt and sand, fully capable of bringing about cries of agony in any living creature. Desert winds during the bleak, wintry months were closer to the indescribable misery of being skinned alive. Though now, it was no longer unthinkable, for I was stranded in the middle of nowhere, searching for a place I was sure I'd never find. The sheer amount of glacial wind smashing and kicking against my face had cemented one eyelid shut and its counterpart barely able to see. While the fires in my ears told me that between preserving sight or sound, I chose sound and covered each ear with my hands to avoid the brutal noise. Eyes to the mercy of nature are akin to miniature blades piercing each one of your limbs while simultaneously pulling and prodding at the skin. Sight was futile. Every direction was nothing but the black of night and dirt. And even that sight was rapidly diminishing. A second later, my legs gave out from under me, and resembling an infant, I tumbled forward, ramming my right shoulder against a rock. In ignorance, I'd forgotten nature does not give a single damn shred of sympathy. 
For minutes, I just sat there freezing, having had enough of the struggle. Moving was a self-ordered punishment I was not strong enough to bear. Each breath was to commence one's own suffering. As the leading prosecutor to this act of treachery upon myself, I determined there was not a single person on earth more stupid and lazy. must have fallen asleep, for I awoke, and one could not awaken without first falling asleep. Upon waking from my slumber, I received the gentle caress of light snowfall, wet and delicate little snowflakes dancing in the air before reaching my face. As I watched the graceful show of snow, warmth spread across my body, for in that moment, Absorbed in certainty, something spoke within me that some way that night would not be my last on earth. And then I closed my good eye, choosing to sleep. Something was moving from beneath me, and before clearing my eyes, I understood what and where I was. The tail of a wagon with its curtains drawn shut. At first it appeared as a void, dark and endlessly empty, with no one in sight besides myself and whoever drove in front. But the wagon was not empty, for the stench of whiskey on humans' breath was so obvious, images of delusion overtook me, and for a flicker of a second, I was in a saloon as music played. But there was no music, just the noise of horses riding with gusto, burning with an agonizing pain in my skull. I noticed my face was wet. The substance was soothingly warm, but heavy, and stunk of something disgustingly familiar. The picture was clear. Someone had tied my wrists, tight in some places, but I could still feel the slack in the rope, meaning someone did this in haste. The sticky wetness was my blood. I was someone's prisoner. The stink of sour whiskey grew nearer. Its rancid smell landed in my mouth. I could only imagine what would arise next and positively dreaded it. A grotesque face belonging to a terrifying man was inches from me. He was toothless, with eyes black as a spider, but had confidence enough to extend a smile without hesitation. He raised one finger to his lips and whispered, Hush. Then he proceeded to strike me with the rear of his rifle and everything went black. Once again, sleep seized me.
Upon reopening my eyes, I found a sackcloth wrapped around my head. Darkness was now changing from an acquaintance to an old friend. Wherever I was must have been a sitting room, for it breathed of a lady's perfume, and the fragrance drifted in the air as if generations of women squatting around, sipping tea, cultivated in that very moment. A fire had to be lit, for it was nice and warm, which, under different circumstances, I could appreciate. Whoever brought me here must have tied my hands much better this time and covered my head with a sack. At least I was on a comfortable couch. As thoughts of rolling over to form an escape entered my mind, the echoes of two people quietly speaking brought an end to that fantasy. But how do you know he killed Jimmy? Said the first, a soft female voice. Doesn't matter if he did or not. The fact remains the same. He is a trespasser. And you of all people should realize what that means. Replied the second voice, which belonged to an older male speaking with conviction and assurance. Which frightened me, because I perceived they were speaking of me, and that someone murdered a man named Jimmy, and they considered it might be I who did it. I needed to laugh and wallow in my own self-pity, but my sides hurt too much to do so. But today is Christmas, declared the girl. And what of it? That explanation is absurd. Think of the town, girl. Think of their reaction, said the fellow, whom I increasingly resented the more he spoke. And what of me, father? What of my reaction? Does it count as much as your precious town? Said the lady who clearly was his daughter. She broke out in cries. Unpleasant as they were, her tears did not sound as an angry child, but as a hollowed adult that carried enough weight to mean something. Even with tearing, she remained elegant in her tone of voice. This was my only chance of survival, because bursting out of this rope and lunging toward them would make me as much a fool as an easy target. Undoubtedly, he had a weapon at his side. No, no, I must appeal to the girl and her senses. I could start a cry of, where am I? But then I'm nothing more than a beast that revives after a hunting expedition gone awry. If I begged for mercy, that directly implied that I deserved none. Only beggars asked for what they didn't deserve. I knew because I was a beggar. No, I had to make them laugh. Even if they laughed, which surely was unimaginable, I imagined the father either stabbing or shooting me to death. Though lying there, imitating unconsciousness, was a surefire path for being knifed. Do it while he's not awake, they will think to themselves. I'd gladly take the bullet. At least I would be the master of my destiny, if only for once. Yes, I was well aware that I was a fool. The girl's crying eased, meaning at any time both predecessor and offspring should exit the room. On cue, when needing intelligent remarks, a blank was my thoughts. My dear, at least let me speak with the rest of the town's elders. The father finally spoke. Now or never, I thought. Took that long enough, I said. How long was you going to keep on standing there letting her cry? 
If she were my daughter, I'd just utterly agree. Let the man live, I'd say. Is that so? He replied. Sure, I said in jest. The soft footsteps of the daughter came toward me. Heart and body leapt, for this was the moment of truth. Either she would untie me, or her father would stop her. I couldn't breathe from the nerves. She reached where I laid and hit me so hard with a large object I did not even hear the damn thing smash as its fabric pushed into my skull. Unconsciousness took its hold on me once again. It was nightfall, and snow continued to fall gently. My view was perfect, being two flights up staring out a large pitch window. It took a while to recognize I was awake and no longer in the void that was my dreams. That the portrait of snow hitting the ground in a town I never saw was real. Once again, I was tied. This time in a nice, fluffy, upholstered velvet armchair. She'd let me live, I presumed. How's your head? A soft voice said from behind me. Every tissue of my body did not want to answer the woman. Fear manifested deep in my core and took hold of every basic motor function. But I was reluctant to let the words I didn't have within me dictate my future. It's fine. Please don't go crying over it, I replied, knowing how absurd I sounded. Don't worry. I have no plans to do so. Apologies then, madam for I thought you easily prone to bouts of tears. For heaven's sakes, why was I pushing her buttons so? I heard her stir and move closer. What you heard was an illusion to keep you alive. My father, the mayor, as you saw, or shall I say heard, doesn't take kind of strangers. Never guessed. Oh, I'm sure. Well, I am entirely grateful for your abilities of casting illusions in the manner in which you do. If one day your father is not mayor, may I suggest joining the theater? Someone of such extraordinary talents will do lovely. Now say, can I get your name, O master of illusions, so that I may thank my savior with the respect she deserves? Was I pressing my luck? Yes, and though I wanted to bite my tongue and pinch myself for being alive, something within me got the sense this was how I should counter. I was not genuinely sour with her for bashing in my head. I survived, at least. Call it a hunch of playing different parts of different men for so long. Illusions of a person they supposed me to be. Her footsteps began walking away. This is a lovely town, I said, almost in a shout, not wanting to lose her. Breathtaking, come near the window and gaze at the splendor of snowfall with me. There is not a single woman whom I've ever encountered that could move at an absolute silence as the one before me. So nimble were the movements, the pit of nerves in my stomach boiled over into my throat. Emulating a shadow, she flew instantly behind me. In a moment of weakness, I determined if someone stabbed me right through the neck, it would have been a gift. But there was no stabbing. Something worse. She covered the window in haste with its view of snow being replaced with the slight figure of a woman who might have had blondish hair and wore a green satin dress. The minimal light only allowed it to show her outline, 
but her deep blue eyes were visible in any light, peering right into me. I nervously looked away. Her response was a modest giggle at my attempted performance of someone stronger than myself. Don't worry, Henrik. I am the least of your worries. A slight smile formed around the edges of her mouth, which was simultaneously wicked yet pleasing. After a prolonged moment of being flabbergasted, I finally opened my mouth to speak in a manner befitting no one. How do you know my name? The sheriff brings in wanted posters to our residences once a week for the outlaws in the territory. Just a precaution, which looks to have worked out in your favor. Look, ma'am, I mean you no harm. Please, just let me free, and I promise I won't be trouble. Yes, I know, Henrik. Earlier we did not. Now we do. The entire town does. Whatever that wanted poster says, know this. What I did, I did as a young man. Please, listen. I am ashamed of who I was. That's good. That's superb. Just like that. Tomorrow, when they come to speak to you, I want you to say it like that. It's the truth! I shouted again. Hush your voice, you fool! It is early morning, and I don't want you to wake farther. Her blue eyes narrowed in on me, akin to a wolf of the wild, stalking a much weaker prey. I'm sorry for whatever I've done, but please, please let me go. Soon, Henry. But there is a procedure of how business operates here. She leaned in, inches from my face. Her eyes were squinting and flickering like someone reading a book. After a few more moments, she sighed and smiled before saying, Tell me one final thing for tonight, please. How did it taste? The freedom you once had? I do not say this mockingly, for I genuinely wish to know what you had your entire life. Freedom. For not a single person here has ever enjoyed what you had. Completely out of schemes or meaningful replies, I simply said, Please leave. I do not wish to be your enemy. I wish to be your friend. Something in her tone of voice seemed sincere. Or she was lying. I couldn't tell the difference. Nor in my life would I have the ability of reading her true feelings. Our eyes met and without semblance she would not break its hold. After obtaining the information needed, she drew open the curtains, granting the view of snowfall once more. My name is Rosalind. You can call me Rosalind instead of using formalities such as Mom. You will have to grow accustomed to us sooner or later. Now rest, for in the morning you will surely need your strength. Either from the pain in my neck, ears, shoulder, legs, or chest, I looked at her, dropping the performance for the night, and said, Merry Christmas. And to you as well. This has been The Little Town of Rainbow. New episodes are released weekly and is available wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you like The Little Town of Rainbow, please share with your friends. It helps independent creators to reach an audience and continue to tell stories for free. Thank you.
729-8733. Layla Gray. Layla, we found it. I'm sorry, sir, what was found? The anomaly is found, Layla. The anomaly has finally been found again. I'll report back immediately. Because of your history, I want you on the case as well. I need a pair of eyes I can trust. Every branch will try to stake their claim and we cannot have that. Repeat, we cannot have that. <laughs> <laughs> 